Welcome to the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. It's still an international break, but your three hosts are all charged up and ready to return to the chaos, and in Brian's case, the carnage of FPL. As always, your favorite niche FPL podcast hosts, Bucks, Brian, and Blackwolf are on the mics. Gents, or kind of gents adjacent, say hello. Come on, Bucks. This is a big time pod. We're going international today or as I like to say, Chinternational, as we have a guest from my former country of residence all the way from Australia. Mira, how are you? Thank you so much, guys. It's so lovely to join you on your amazing podcast. I have been a huge fan of your podcast for quite some time now. So yeah, to to join you guys is, uh, yeah, I feel very humbled and very excited. I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's sort of midway through my day and lovely to be chatting to you guys. Mira, I have to confess I'm a little under the weather. So I binge watched like six of your most recent YouTube shows and the one with Praz, I was laughing out loud to the point where I almost spit up phlegm onto my partner who was working at her workstation next to our bed. Uh, so <laughs> kudos to you. You are doing awesome work in the FPL community. And let's give Black Wolf some time on the mic. Dan, awesome job landing another rock star guest in Mira. Yeah, she's a great guest. I was kind of disappointed then when you said that you watched her most recent episodes and you didn't mention mine, you mentioned Price instead. But that's okay. I mean, yeah, I, I had it. <laughs> there are levels to uh, the certain celebrities we. I have was in the I FPL was trying community. to glow up stars <laughs> of the FPL community, you know, not normies like the three of us, bro. Come on. Yeah, we're like B list right now. However, yeah, Mira's great. I love her channel. We've been talking for a long time. Been good friends in the community, so I'm so happy to have her on the, the podcast today. Mira, you let us know if the love fest gets too strong here. I'm feeling it's not Valentine's Day; it's almost Thanksgiving. But that being said. <laughs> Let's give you some shine and let's properly welcome you to the pod. We can find you on social media and on YouTube. You're producing great content under the handle at FPL underscore Mez. And let's just give you a a full on warm FPL USA welcome. And by that, let's give you the floor. Let's let you introduce yourself, where we can find you and what team you support in the Premier League. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you for the kind words, Dan. I really appreciate that. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm, my name is Mira. Um, I go by FPL Mez 8 on uh, on the socials. And uh, only up till three months ago, I was only on Twitter and and, and really only discovered uh, the FPL community on, on X now uh, over the last sort of couple of years. And um, I'm very new to FPL in the sense that I've only been playing for three seasons. So this is my third season. And um, my latest sort of uh, venture into like uh, doing some form of content creation is is a very selfish perspective of, you know, what I'm doing in my FPL journey, basically. And so I had a really good season last season and had a lot of fun connecting with the FPL community and learning lots from the FPL community as well. And so it was my way of actually connecting with the FPL community and, and just giving back as well and talking about my season as a bit of a vis I'm making and um 
I wanted it to be super low fidelity and where I'm not over planning or anything like that and a place where I can swear as well and and just be myself <laughs> and talk about all the fucking things that I want to talk about and sometimes like on my solo ones I kept saying to myself that yeah I'm going to keep these down to like 20 minutes long or whatever and they've ended up being 40 minutes 60 minutes long and I'm like well, how the hell can one person in one go like be talking that much and just getting some of those interactions through spaces so I've been doing them through spaces and then I'm grabbing the video feed of that and putting that onto YouTube and and YouTube um, you know I've managed to uh, gain some subscribers there as well which is very very grateful but it wasn't the the intent and so you know very like I say very selfishly I've wanted to just share my journey and some of the um, the things that I'm thinking and making it conversational and having a good chat and connecting with the community and and uh, it's been so nice to bring on some guests. So it was wonderful, Dan, to have you on, especially because like we've been chatting a fair bit in the background, and and uh, but also just to have a make it more conversational. Like there's life beyond FPL, and you know in between as well. There's shit that's going on. We're we're always talking about like all the the clusterfuck of transfers that we're making and how badly we feel about them, and our emotions are high and low. And so, you know, when you see a lot of content that's being put out there, it's very one sided you know in terms of like this is the data this is the transfers that we're going to make but you know I want to know about the emotions I want to know about how you're thinking and feeling about these transfers as well and let's just share the bad you know game weeks so um this was my way of doing that and uh, connecting with the community so yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun and that's the main thing yeah and no, I think you undersold your finish last season if you want to tell the guys where you finished last season undersold it um yeah I finished uh two and a half thousand in the world last season um and that was my yeah that was my second season um my first season I was like you know making all the mistakes and well I guess like it's your first season of sort of you know journey of learning and and consuming content and understanding things so last season was uh the the first time that I was like no I'm going to take this a bit more seriously and play with my heart and uh and now that I understand how to play this game called FPL and you know dedicate a little bit more time and energy to it but um I think throughout the the good season that I was having I was very oblivious about it as well because it was only my second season of playing FPL so when people would say oh you're in the top 5k that's fantastic do you know how good this is I was like no I don't <laughs> because I've not been playing it very long it's so amazing. the benchmark is like where am I really but it was nice at uh, ending the season on a high and uh yeah I feel like I I achieved a lot in that and so I'm having a terrible season now to yeah to counter it yeah talk about setting the bar very high for yourself there's all the likelihood in the world that you might not even eclipse a two and a half K rank for a number of years. So that's truly impressive. And I think with FPL, there's such a learning curve that you have to give yourself the grace to understand how the game is you know, worked and what FPL towers deems as FPL assists and all the ins and outs of the chips and the planning. So that's a truly incredible first uh, sophomore season for you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. And and like I say, this season has been not off to a great start. And so I feel like uh, if if that was the if last season was the only season that I get where I've, you know, hit the uh, the, the prime sort of level that I, I would probably um, achieve in my sort of FPL journey or career, um, then I'm OK with that. I'm OK with that. It was a really good season for me. <laughs> Yeah, that's the beauty. We'll be playing FPL every season for as long as our thumbs work to hit the transfer buttons and 
set up our teams each week. So we're super excited to have you on the show this week. So just thinking about more macro level, what team do you support and why do you support them? Yeah, so I've been a, a Liverpool supporter for a very long time, I think since I was, uh, yeah, a, I don't know, six-year-old, seven-year-old or something like that. Um, and uh, I'm not entirely sure how I became a Liverpool supporter because I used to live very close to Crystal Palace and, you know, Selhurst Park. So, yeah, I somehow um, ended up watching a lot of Crystal Palace matches. But I think at school, the influence of, you know, the big the big four, big six clubs. And so everyone was supporting Man United or they were supporting Chelsea or Liverpool. And so I think it was uh, to try and find a balance between some of my mates back in school and so I picked Liverpool and it just stuck and it was around the time when in rush was still playing and you know and Barnes and you know just having some of those legacy players there like the influence of them and and so for me you know following Gerard's journey along the way as well and and that's where the number eight in my uh my uh handle comes from you know just being a, a fan of uh Stevie and um yeah so Liverpool just stuck and and now I don't think I could change that it's just been too long Awesome. As a, as a Chelsea fan and a lover of the number eight for Lampard, I, I get the addiction to uh, such a gravitational midfielder of Lampard, Gerard, Scholes' caliber. So awesome story. Eh, maybe maybe we'll bring you over to the dark side of Chelsea, uh, give a couple more seasons. But I think the three of us would just be dreaming to even come close to a two and a half K finish in the FPL game. So maybe tell us some of your secrets, Mira, what's your play style? What's, what do you think is what makes you different from all the other content creators? What makes you, what makes you love FPL so much? I think it's the planning side of things for me. So I really enjoy the decision-making part of it. I really enjoy the um, uh, looking at data, doing some of the eye testing and uh, I really enjoy the, um, you know, preempting how the next couple of game weeks could go, looking at the fixtures, looking at the, the psychological sort of elements of it as well, like what could be going on environmentally as well. And then, you know, making, you know, some judgment calls around that. Um, and last season, especially, and something I, I've somehow ended up not doing the start of this season, but last season, especially, I was probably not overthinking things. And, you know, I was uh, I was consuming very little content, I would say, because I did so much of it in my first season. So my second season, I was like, I don't need to consume too much content. Um, and so, yeah, my play style, I'm not sure what my play style is. I think it's a, a balance of you know, uh, data and uh, some of that eye testing. However, I think not overthinking has very, very much helped me because I traveled a lot last season as well. So I had like a, a month in, in Peru and where I didn't have signal, I didn't have any access to internet. You know, I didn't have, um, I couldn't look at what was going on. I didn't watch any matches during that period either. And so I was picking players and making gut instinct calls on you know what I think was going to happen based on fixtures that were coming up and so yeah I made some huge mistakes during that time as well I had James in my team and he wasn't going to play and I was just like ah oh, fuck you know what am I going to do about this I don't have signals I'm going to have to lock in my team really early and so yeah I just went with the flow I was probably making more gut calls than I have been um, prior to that and, and this season especially Love that. I, I also had my best season in my first year. So we're kind of flipped because I think that 
there's something about just playing your own game and trusting your instincts that I often find is rewarded in the FPL game. There's so much luck involved that all the analytics, all the planning in the world can't compensate for what's going on in a game between 10 meat slabs on each team and one goalkeeper meat slab on each team. Ain't that right, Dan? That's right. Especially a certain slab head who plays for Manchester United, who we're going to talk about a little later on your team books. Yeah, and he definitely uh, avoided some uh, well-deserved naughty list inclusion today in the Euros. That's a great transition. Mira, we're really happy to have you on the pod. And I think this is the perfect episode for someone of your planning and your intuition to be part of, because we're really going to look forward in this episode. But before we do that, we do have to take a hot second. And let's just quickly recap what's happened in game week 12, which I know feels like millennia ago. The world has turned many times since game week 12 ended. Let's start with how each of our teams performed. I'll see the floor to you, Brian. Why don't you start us off? I do not want to go first. I really don't want to, but Bucks threw it to me. I ended up on 69 points, a red arrow, and utter disappointment with Simikas rooted to my fucking bench. He was second on my bench, mainly because of the European benching where he played like shit. And then just crazily enough, I start Lascelles and Gahey in front of him. So just, yeah. just a rough go of it. Yeah, you know, If um, I had him first on my bench, I probably would have had another 13 points that would have been in the 80s. So another really just bumfuck week for me. It's It's been a, a slaughter this season. I'm sitting at 1.6 million and my transfer in last week was... Ferguson in for Julian Alvarez. Look, this this deserving guy, he sucks. Fuck him. I am out on him as manager. I think he's utter trash. I cannot <laughs> wait to rip the Brighton players from my squad. Not to mention he benches Matoma as well. It's like this this team, it, they are giving me angst every single game week. So my wild card 10 has been a flop. And if I just would have stuck with Diaby and Mbomo, I would have been in a much better spot. So two free transfers this week. Maybe I end up a hit. Yeah, um, I'm just going to have to go full differential from here. And it's a, it's a rough go. But let's talk to some higher scoring managers from this past game week. And let's let's toss it to Bucks because when we're talking about top finishes of all time, especially in our young FPL careers. Bucks is just on the first class flight to the top. So Bucks, how did you do in game week 12? Well, now I'm, I'm a little nervous now that Mira's on the podcast, to be perfectly honest, because uh, I, I just dream of, of even touching that number in game week 13, let alone game week 38. I'm into the top 10K. I'm having an amazing start to the season. Game week 12, I had 83 points, my seventh straight green arrow. Thank you, Mira. I appreciate the applause. I'm basically just carrying this podcast. Dan does all the work on socials. Brian does all the work on editing. And I'm the handsome face with the good FPL team. So that's how we do it over here on the FPL USA Press Play podcast. I'm I would disagree. Long... I would disagree. I think you have a face for radio. Or face oh, yes. I, would, yes. I would agree. I agree. With and Brian. I have a, <laughs> let, me, let me just double down on that. I probably also have a voice for Twitter. But let's uh, leave that to a future episode. But uh, I'm I'm having a great season. My wild card in game week seven has led to unbelievable results. I'm I'm getting returns from my new guys over and above expectation. And yes, I used my bench boost chip, which was probably the only misstep of my whole season in game week one. So I have an inflated 10 points on the field there. 
but I still think that my team is really, really operating at a high level. So long may continue the Lamborghini of red, white, and bucks. All right, next up, let's kick it to Dan. You weren't too far behind Mr. Bucks this game week, right? I actually finished on the same amount of points. I also got 83 this week and I'm up to the 150k range. Um, I actually had to take out Madison because he got injured, and I brought in Eze, who got me six points. I'm actually a little disappointed he didn't get double digits, because I feel like he should have got another penalty in that game, and he got a yellow card for diving instead. But still, I'm going to be happy with the six points. Diaby, six points when he didn't even touch the ball for the assist. I don't know where that phantom assist came from, but I'll take it. And then Bowen with another lucky goal. So yeah, I've been like ticking along with, with points lately. I'm very happy with my position, top 150k. The problem with my team is that I keep trying to plan going forward and I just keep getting injuries after injuries after injuries. So every week I'm being forced to make a transfer and it looks likely it might have to happen again this week because I've got a doggy on my bench who is not doing very well. I know he's back from suspension, but his fixtures aren't great. Bowen might be injured and we'll get into this later, but I just feel like it's very hard for me to plan going forward lately. But still, again, like I said, very happy with my position. I have not used my bench boost, so I'm claiming the top spot in this podcast league right now. Bucks doesn't count. You definitely have the best voice. Mira, on to you. How <laughs> was your game week 12? Not too good. I feel like you guys are doing way better than I am at the moment. So, yeah, I'm not living up to my... Um, my uh, my final sort of uh, rank last season, unfortunately. So I ended the game week on 67 points. Um, and interestingly, I so I played my wildcard in game week nine and decided that uh, I was going to plan ahead. So I'm quite happy with, you know, the team that I have in general, um, but it's not been performing very well for me. And so, you know, last couple of game weeks, I've been able to roll a transfer. So I, you know, rolled um, one transfer and just used up one transfer last game week. And so I took out, um, uh, I took out Simicast from my team <laughs> and mostly because I was going to bench Simicast. And so like I, the plan was to bench him um, and then also bench him against um, City coming up in the, in the next game week. And so I took him out to free up some funds because I had nothing left in the bank. And so I brought in Lascelles instead and benched Lascelles, which rightfully so he got zero points so I wasn't expecting anything from that transfer um but similar similar to you guys as well where I've got you know Matoma got benched got nothing you know one point um Gordon was a little bit disappointing as well um given the match and Bowen yeah I mean you know it's nice that Bowen got a return there but I've also got Cash and and Gabrielle sitting in you know my defense and so whilst Trippier has been fantastic in my team in prior game weeks and I'm very happy that I have him in the team it was just very disappointing that he only got one pointer this uh this game week and I captained Watkins so that's the probably the the thing that I shouldn't have done Ouch. in hindsight but it was a really good fixture I thought anyway for um for Villa and given the record that you know Villa have in their home matches as well and so I decided I was going to captain uh, Watkins and and I did in hindsight I probably would have gone Salah in hindsight maybe I could have just gone Haaland because Haaland you know Haaland is Haaland right um, so it's not been a great game week for me. Um, 67 points. It's all right. The average was 64, right? Um, but uh, my game week rank was like four and a half mil and I'm currently sitting at two mil. 
So I mean, if only Watkins didn't miss that good. sitter. Watkins really missed a sitter. He would have got like 12, 13 points easily if he took that away. I I agree. I feel like, um, you know, it was a match where I needed Watkins to get one more goal or another return, basically, for it to counter the the Salah captaincies and the, the Haaland captaincies around my rank, which seems like a lot of, you know, managers around my rank have had, you know, Salah or Haaland captain. All right. Well, this is a rarity to have someone having a worse season than me on the pod. So that that does uh, boost my confidence just a tiny bit. And uh, hopefully you are welcome. Mira, yeah, <laughs> hopefully we can both turn around. There are plenty of game weeks ahead of us to do so. And now transitioning into some of the top FPL managers across the community. We're going to toss it to Dan, who will run through some of the elite numbers and the statuses of all of our different leagues we have. So an update on FPL USA leagues, which is sponsored by Drafttown, your ultimate assistant manager. They have kindly offered us premium subscriptions to give to the winners of each tier in the leagues. But if you'd like to sign up this season, you can check out the special link on X in the profile page bio of at FPLUSA Leagues. So for a rundown of the leaders after game week 12, in Elite, we still have Bucks as number one on 802 points. And the manager of the week is FPLGas76, Dan, who got 96 points last week, which was incredible. And he's been having a really bad season. He's been pretty down about it so for him to get 96 I, I was really happy to see that in gold we have a new leader Hatum Katana on 781 points and manager of the week was Artum Ermishin FPL Russo on 92 in silver we also have a new leader Arvind Ganti FPL underscore Ganti on 783 points and he was also manager of the week with 95 points so there were some high scores this week Kind of makes our 83 not look as great anymore. And um, bronze, we have a, another new leader. We have Alejandro Perez, app Perez5655. He's on 826. So he's also the overall leader in the leagues. And if he stays there, he, he will get a surprise shirt box at the end of the season. And manager of the week in the bronze league is Ananda Karana at FPL Nando on 103 points. So well done to all of those managers. Unreal. You can find, yeah, some great scores there. You can find the full standings on X by following at FPR USA Leagues. If you are USA based and you haven't joined yet, you can send me a DM on X and I'll get you added. And we are not closing entries until game week 19. Dan, I really do not like how good you have gotten at reading all these names off and the scores because my dance moves are no longer having the same impact on you. Which I'm makes oblivious it to your dance fun. moves at this point. And I just spent like 50% of my remaining energy on those dance moves. So uh, <laughs> uh, take an L, take a hard L here, Bucks. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll dive into the action in game week 12 and also start looking ahead. When we're back, we will dive into what's gone on during the international break, some notable injuries, and dive into our watch list for game week 13. Welcome back to the FPL USA Press Play podcast. We're now going to discuss the graveyard of injuries. There are a lot of flags right now in the app. 
And let's go through and update the listeners on who will be fit for the weekend. So, Bucks, you've put down a number of bullet points here. Injuries galore. Where should we start? Let's start with the robot himself. Erling Holland comes off with another, it seems like a re-entry of that same ankle in Euros 2024. He misses the final match for Norway. So they are failing to qualify for another major tournament, which is a huge blow to a country that includes probably the greatest goal scorer in the game at the moment. And also one of the best creative midfielders in Martin Odegaard. And they're both injured at such a critical part of the season for Norway and for their clubs as well. So Holland and Odegaard both out. Let's, let's go around the horn. I think Holland will be fine in game week 13. What do you all think? Haaland's going to be absolutely fine. Norway did not qualify. They didn't need him. Man City have their biggest game of the season against Liverpool at the weekend. There is zero chance Haaland doesn't play 90 minutes that game. I would not be worried whatsoever if he's in your team. And even if you want to captain him, go for it. I will eat my shorts if he does not play that game. Okay, we'll make... we will live stream that on Mira's, pod- on Mira's YouTube channel. Sure thing. <laughs> Brian, what say you? Yeah, he'll definitely be fit, and I think he's a great captaincy option this game week, as is he every game weekend. His confidence in the penalty department is really something that boosts his appeal. I know Mira went with Watkins. I think for me personally, I'd love to captain someone who's on pen. So if that variant swings your way in a given game week, you might get an easy six to uh, you know six points or so with bonus if they are indeed on pen. So I think that's something possibly a takeaway for future game weeks. I know this game week, many managers are also eyeing Bowen possibly as a captain. And while I don't hate it, I really want somebody with that double digit performance uh, under their belt to hopefully double up as a captaincy option. So we'll have Mr. Holland in our sides and look forward to possibly captaining him this upcoming game week. Otherwise, let's go to a few other injury notables. So Mira, Mira, he's going against your beloved Liverpoolians. What say you? You going to Captain Holland potentially against your own hometown team? Yeah, look, I I actually had my captaincy armband on Bowen, and I know we're going to go through some of the other injuries there as well. But I, the, over the past week, I had um, the the wonderful Prass um, come on to my F off the cuff, uh, you know, show and conversation, and and he hammered home for me about the penalty takers. And that has now stuck a, l- a lot more. And so, you know, earlier when I was talking about my style of play, it's not necessarily thinking about the penalty takers in my team and selecting them as well. And so I've realized how important that is, especially from a captaincy point of view. So look, against my beloved Liverpool, I have to admit I am leaning towards a Haaland captaincy just because of his positioning and how he's playing. And I don't think he's injured. Like, he's fine. He's going to turn up and and uh, show us who's boss as well. So I'm very nervous about that match, if I'm honest. Yeah, that's a good transition to Bowen too, I know, because he's flagged as well. Um, I also don't think he's going to miss the game at the weekend. I think travelling to Macedonia in a game that England did not need to win, there's no point in Bowen going, especially with Antonio getting a really bad hamstring injury. He's going to miss three months or something like that. So West Ham are going to need Bowen to play that striker position. So I think it was a precautionary thing. I I expect him to play also. However, like you said, I don't think I would captain him 
because he doesn't have those penalties, and I don't think he's as explosive as someone like like Haaland. However, Brian, yeah. I want to I want to ask you, Brian, because you are an owner of Ferguson and Matoma, I believe, and it looks like both of them are pretty certain to miss the game at the weekend. This fucking Deserby guy, I'm still honked off like a goose. I mean, no mention at all in the presser that this guy has a back injury. I what the fuck? I mean, he's withholding information from the FPL community. I'm still very bitter about that. And uh, Brighton, they suck. They they're overrated. And um, you know, he's he did a bang up job the first four matches, and since then, he's done jack shit. So fuck you, Deserby. I'm not having any more Brighton players in my squad. They don't keep clean sheets. Their team sheets are erratic. And yeah, this guy's overrated to the highest degree. He's going to be the next Man City coach in a couple of years, but uh, uh, he's not a friend to the FPL. No chance. By he, any he's means. not. He's not of that quality for Manchester City. There's no way he could go in and shepherd that team. That's that's my very honest opinion of him. Maybe ten years from now, when he gets his um, nuts and bolts all put together, but right now he's he's off. He's off the boil. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with this side, and they have a few injuries. Garbage. Just utter garbage. He's he's a bin chicken waiting to be strung out to die. Oh you like that one, Mira? You like that one, Mira? <laughs> the banter is I crazy. Do. I think I RDZ's do. I partner that. is gonna say, keep his nuts out of your mouth. Golly. For anyone who doesn't know, a bin chicken is a ibis in Australia and a, a dinosaur looking bird who just uh, is a oversized pigeon on the streets of Sydney. So I uh, just wanted to sh- throw that out there. Those fuckers are like the worst possible birds that you can have anywhere near you. I hate them so much. (laughs) So when you said that, I was like, yes, yes. This conversation has just gone way over the heads of all of our FPL USA fans, but I still rate it 10,000 fold. Let's cover a couple other lads who are down bad with injury. We have some pros on the pod, so we got you some two-for-ones just now. So Holland, Odegaard, we're also missing Bowen and Antonio. Antonio injury is really bad. I think that might even be a like death sentence for him as a Premier League-relevant player. He already was looking far off it for West Ham this season. And I think with Kudus now in the squad and Paqueta, he might not be a player that we really ever think about for FPL, let alone for the Premier League again. He just seems very susceptible to hamstring injuries as does his podcast brother, Calum Wilson. Another hammy injury for the lad as well. He's out until early 2024 at minimum. Good news, though, if you're a Newcastle fan, Alexander Isak has been pictured back in training and is expected to be fit. So uh, with the good comes some bad uh, for a lot of these teams. Let's talk about some more good news going to Arsenal. Seems like Gabriel Jesus might be back sooner rather than later. So luckily, all four of us avoided the Niketia trap, it seems like. Yeah, Gabriel Jesus was back in training for Brazil. So I think he's expected to be back for Arsenal. Maybe at the weekend, maybe the weekend after. So that's good news for Arsenal, because I think they're a much better team with him in the team. Exactly. Um, he's not necessarily a pick for FPL right now, but he makes Martinelli and Saka much better options, given his ability to hold up the ball, his creativity and the runs that he makes to draw defenders towards him. So I'm excited for the wingers to have a little bit more action up top inside the box. Exactly. And another player I'm actually quite excited to be coming back. I know Manchester United have been absolutely shit this season, but Luke Shaw coming back in that left wing back position, 
is someone I might be looking at when their fixtures are really good because he's a he's a great left wing back. He's he's good for assists. He's good for clean sheets. He's good for bonus points. So him coming back is someone I'm going to be looking at. I expect him to be back in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, good call. Good call there. Elsewhere, we have Madison, who is out until early 2024. So I think this is a good talking point just to learn how we're going to evaluate the Spurs side. They were very abysmal versus Wolves and just racked up a few red cards in that one as well. So I think for those who own Sun, you probably keep the faith they're playing versus Aston Villa at home this game week. But after this, they have a couple tougher fixtures with Manchester City in game week 14 and also Newcastle in game week 16. So what are you guys thinking about Sonny Boy? He's one of my favorite players of all time. But right now, a little bit hard to evaluate what's going to happen from a creativity lens at Spurs. I don't approve of the Wolves slander that was just dropped a couple seconds ago. Dan, got your back. Wolves, creative juggernauts in the Premier League this season. You've totally changed your tune books. I'm, I'm lying. I just I I tricked you. I suckered <laughs> you in. <laughs> I think Sun is if you have other fires to put out, he's not a glaring issue. I would hold if at all possible, but I do think he's a worthy sell at this point in the season with a plan to get him back when the run turns. All right, Dan, what do you think on Sun? I think losing Madison is going to really impact him. I think we saw against Wolves how Tottenham was just not as creative as they, they were previously. Um, I, st- I still think he's a great asset because he, he's most likely going to be on penalties. I think people were debating, is it going to be Madison? Is it going to be Sun? I think we were thought Sun anyway, but now this kind of nails that down. So I, th- I think he's fine. However, he's he's expensive and there's so many good options in midfield now that I think it's a good time to take him out if you want to bring in some of those other assets, such as Cole Palmer with Chelsea's run coming up. You have Bowen, you have... And Bumo, I think all of these are, are valid transfers in for Sun out. And I'm saying that because I don't own Sun, so the more people that take him out, the better. Yeah, I have to agree. I think, um, you know, Madison not being there has definitely impacted Sun's, you know, output. But I also think it's um, a partially to do with their defense as well, right? So the the ball is not being progressed forward um, as it, you know, had been previously with having you know, Van de Ven, like in, in the back line as well, a doggy. Um, and so, yeah, we might sort of see some of the, like, I think um, Romero, I'm not sure when Romero is back, but I presume he's going to be back um, soon um, as well. So I think we'll probably start to see some improvement um, there as well. So not just, you know, Madison impact, but hopefully getting their defensive lineup back as well will make a difference there. But I think as a player, Son is, is, not necessarily a uh, a buy or a sell, I would say, at the moment, just because he he's still on pens. Um, well, we think he's on pens, and um, he's still got the potential to to get some of those goals in as well. So there's there's really not many options up there, and they've still got a few good fixtures coming up, and they're still playing. Angeball is still very attacking. All right, let's Three. transition now to. Take a look at some of the happenings around the Premier League, especially looking at some of the top teams that we want to fill our FPL sides with. So, Bucks, who should we start with? Let's start with Liverpool. They are towards the top of the table, and we should highlight our boy, Mo Salah, the Egyptian king, is the top scorer in the FPL game right now. He is officially 
the first player to triple digits with his 16 point explosion in game week 12. Mira, I see you're throwing up hearts left, right, and center. Why don't you give your guy some glow up? Oh, I love Salah. He is, um, I'm I'm gutted that I didn't captain him in the last game week just because, you know, I, I know like my heart was saying captain him, but my head was saying, no, go for the the better fixture that, you know, Villa have, uh, you know, in, in Watkins. And um, Salah's been playing very consistently. I actually brought in Salah very early in my, uh, well, at the beginning of my season and then took him out because I, I was impatient um, and I thought about spreading the funds out and, you know, deeply regretted that uh, a little bit further. And so I brought him in, you know, back in, in on my wild card. Um, but he's been so consistent. He is uh, creating, he's getting on the end of those opportunities as well. And I think that combination of having Darwin, who's absolute chaos, we keep hearing that, but he is absolute chaos in that side. And I love it. I'm here for it. I'm grabbing the popcorn for it as well. It's just amazing to watch. And I think the combination of Salah and Darwin is um it's just going to be a goals fest. I think the more you know Darwin um starts and and plays and and uh, gets in the right sort of positions, I think the they had just have so much good chemistry between them as well. So I'm really happy to kind of see how they're playing at the moment. I was listening to the Above Average FPL podcast the other day, and they were saying something I agree with is that Darwin is a really good asset for Salah because even when he misses these big chances, it kind of helps Salah because it means that. Darwin isn't stealing the bonus points for getting the goal. He's giving points to Salah for creating the big chance. So that's why we're seeing Salah getting a lot more bonus points this season than we are here in previous seasons. Because um, usually he's the one missing all the big chances, but now he's creating them all for, for Darwin. So, yeah, I, I love Darwin as an asset, especially as a Salah owner. Well, I don't own Darwin, but I second that sentiment because Darwin, as you mentioned, Mira, is all about chaos and confusion and energy at the front of the line for Liverpool. And that's part of the reason why they are leading the league in XG. They are ahead of Man City, ahead of other top teams, and they haven't had the easiest go of it from a scheduling point of view. So they are doing it consistently against each and every team they play against. They're putting it somewhere between two to three XG a match, which is exceptional. If they can keep that up, they would be one of the best goal scoring sides in history. So they're just, they're doing it no matter who's starting at the front. And we should tease Luis Diaz now fully fit. His parents are back home. So I think they're going to have first choice going into the festive fixture pileup. And I, I completely agree. And I have to admit, I think that combination of, um, as we as we mentioned, Salah and Darwin there, um, I know there'll be lots of listeners who are probably um, skeptical about having Darwin just because from a minutes point of view. But I think even with, you know, Darwin starting and getting 60 minutes is is probably enough to cause that chaos and and get some returns as well, or create those chances for Salah as well. Um, but even Darwin coming on for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, it's still worth having, especially in that front. I mean, if we look at the forward line, um, op- I guess, options that we have there, there's not that many. Right. So we're struggling with the likes of, you know, João Pedro, where they've got good pi- uh, fixtures. Brighton's got f- good fixtures um, and uh, and Ferguson and, you know, Isak is becoming an opportunity. Sure. You know, we've got Watkins there as well. But how long are we going to hold on to Watkins? And are we thinking about bringing in Alvarez? So is Darwin the option that we bring in alongside Haaland? When we're looking at their XG, they're actually top of the table right now. So Liverpool 
we want to see more attacking output from their FPL assets. But Salah, he's a non-starter. He, he has to be in your FPL side. You can't argue against owning him at the moment. And then elsewhere, looking at XG, Manchester City is second, Chelsea third, Newcastle fourth, and Villa fifth. So hopefully when Chelsea's fixtures turn, we'll be able to get somebody like Nkunku or possibly Palmer into our sides because they have some good fixtures elsewhere. But I think more importantly for managers who are looking to target teams, let's talk about the bottom five for XG and probably gives us reason to avoid their attackers altogether. Right, Bucks? I'd say so. I'm, the bottom is kind of writes its own story. If you've watched even one game week of the Premier League, you know who's going to be prominently featured here. Sheffield United, Chef U, as we like to call them, or Chef the fuck out of the Premier League, please hurry up and do that. They're in 20th from an XG perspective. They have no goal scores other than Archer, and Archer really only scores worldies. So that's not a great combination for success in the Premier League, such a tough league. Burnley in 19th. I'm actually a little surprised by this. Lyle Foster was looking like a player, but he's having his demons pop up off the pitch. So credit to him for prioritizing his mental health there. Fulham, I'm not going to slander a Wolves guy, former Wolves guy, but they don't have really any goal scorers there. And Forrest, they've been without their top scorers. Awanee for some time and Palace is the kind of surprise one because I feel like they're having a pretty strong season, but obviously when you lose your two best creative goal scoring, goal creating talisman, young players, it's going to be a tough go for any team. And so they're, they're plopped in fifth worst from an X goal creation standpoint. Yeah. I think and you called it there. I think missing Elise and missing Eze is a, a big part of that. Now those two are back. I think we're going to see Crystal Palace drop off that list. For sure. At least I'm hoping so as an Eze owner. Yeah, and I think this is a good time to buy into the Eze hype train. I know a lot of FPL managers have already been well set on Joakim Anderson, Mark Gehi, shout out FPL Dallas, who has a weird obsession with Gehi. And then we had uh, FPL Mode on last week, Andy, who picked Mitchell instead of the two more popular guys, and he had a haul. So we're seeing good things from Palace defenders, and obviously Sam Johnstone is the gift that keeps giving if you didn't move off him. He's the top-scoring FPL goalkeeper at the moment. So we're getting a lot of gifts from their defense, but we're not seeing a lot to really celebrate on the screen if you're a Palace fan. I mean, clean sheets are well and good, but you know they don't get the booties out of the seat, so to speak. And I think once Eze is now back fully fit, Olise is back fully fit, we're going to start seeing some two, maybe even three goals from Palace side. And that's whoa, going to get whoa, whoa. people slow down, going. Slow down. Three goals. That's That That would be quite something from a Palace side, especially under Hodge. Yeah, even the Crypt Keeper might celebrate if they score three times. Well, he might he might die if he does that, so hopefully not. Yeah, especially if his dance moves are anywhere near what the caliber of Bucks's are, then we're all doomed. Uh, Lord have mercy. Let's keep it moving. Let's go to the bottom of the barrel from an X goal conceded perspective. I promise this will be the most advanced analytics we ever have on this podcast, but I just think it's important time to take a season in review kind of perspective. So Luton, Sheffield, Bournemouth, Burnley, and West Ham. Now, Mira, you said you made some misguided transfers, but I had the West Ham double defense for six game weeks. So, I mean... 
you could get a lot of things wrong, but still get it right in the end in the FPL game. If there's not proof of that, there's my rank and my double West Ham defense. What a disaster that has been. Oh my God. I don't know where to start with the, uh, like, I'm going to just talk about goalkeepers for a moment, actually. So I decided to go with the Pickford and Turner, you know, uh, rotation between the goalkeepers when I started the season. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I hate Pickford. Pickford's doing nothing. He gave me a nine pointer as I was like thinking about my wildcard. And who do I go and bring in? I'm bringing Areola. (laughs) And that's been an absolute clusterfuck as well. So, Bucks, I am horrified to hear that you went double. <laughs> West Ham defender. Right? It's like, how could it get worse than an Everton defender, let alone player? But we we managed to figure that out. Us, us supposed experts. Brilliance that we are. We often also make boneheaded moves in the FBL game. That's what keeps it fun. But... What is the alternative? And so I think, like you, you look, you you touched on Johnstone there, really good uh, goalkeeper. Like if you had Johnstone for all of those clean sheets that they remarkably got, all, all the saves that Johnstone's been making as well. But if we think about like the other options, there's not that many. So I'm quite happy to have a really cheap goalkeeper in Areola when I brought him in. I think he was uh, four mil or four point one. So happy with that, but not ideal. And that's a shocker. I didn't realize that West Ham were on the bottom of that expected goals conceded list. Now let's transition to the matches to target in game week 13. And that features West Ham at Burnley. So I don't think you'll be starting any defenders from West Ham in the outfield, but you know, Arioli could be good for a potential six pointer in this one. But I think if you have, Somebody like Bowen, you are very excited to own him this week. And like Dan mentioned before, Kudus is somebody who could be an FPL option a little bit later in the season. We still want to see him get his chops in the league, but he's an exciting player that really should take all these minutes when Antonio is out. I just want to glow up Thomas Suchek at 4.9 million. From an analytical perspective, this guy is having the best Premier League season of his career. He already has amassed over 4XG. And yeah, he's he's a monster uh, from set pieces. And with JWP, I expect that is not a fluke. It will continue. And Burnley are one of the worst teams from set piece conceding in the league. I just discussed how they're one of the worst for conceding goals entirely. So that's a good combination for any attacker, let alone one who is tall, lanky, and good at jumping. So I think Suchek could be a great option if you need to free up funds to get a guy like Sala in. He's a great enabler. And right now he's the cheapest go-to option because Cole Palmer has sneakily gotten expensive as have many other players. So I just think that if you are priced out of your kind of first choice guy, there are worse backup plans than Suchek to bring in as kind of the eighth attacker in your team. I don't mind that shout at all. My only concern with that books is we have seen that Suchek isn't as nailed as he was last season because they've brought in Edson Alvarez now and we've seen Alvarez and James Ward-Prowse and Paqueta play together in that central midfield and he was actually dropped for a game. I know Dan FPL Feller, who's previously been on this pod, kind of likes playing without Suchek, so I don't mind the shout whatsoever, but just be warned that he might not start some games. I mind it. I mind it quite a bit. I mean, if you're going to go for a cheap 
fifth midfielder, you Palmer. have to go Cole Palmer. There's nobody else even remotely close to him. If you're going to go six million and below, he's the standout choice. He's not going to get four penalties in five games, but given Chelsea's XG numbers and the fixtures turning, he's just a gift. So I think if you're going to have Son, Sala, and Holland, having Palmer is a great way to balance that um, that money out in your squad. I'm going to take a controversial take, and it's a weird time to do it because we're talking about matches to target in game week 13. But I think the Cole Palmer train might have passed, and it might have fully left the station because... Uh, well, let why me, would let you me say cook, that? Dan. Let me cook because I think the Chelsea run of great fixtures is coming at a time when the squad is finally getting fully fit. And they're going to have Pochettino is going to have a lot of challenges to find a spot for Palmer with Ninkunku back. And I think that's going to become a big issue. And I think Sterling is nailed 100%. I think Jackson, for the time being, is nailed 100%. And so I think Nkunku is probably going to have to take Cole's place on a game-to-game basis. And so we're going to see slightly less minutes from him. And I also think Nkunku, the better player, is going to take penalties. So I think that you might cash that check of Cole Palmer and just take it to the bank. Buy a lottery ticket. Don't don't think about it too much. I think our front three is best set up with Nkunku in the middle and then having Palmer and also Sterling in the front three. I think the control that Palmer offers is unmatched compared to the other players who play up top. I mean, Jackson's a donkey, so he can gladly come off the bench for 20 minutes, but you can't be relying in on that season. He was hold on in preseason. He was hauling. I'm not going to stand for all this Jackson slander. He has more goals than Ollie Watkins. He has more goals than Darwin Nunez. The guy isn't scoring worldies, but he's scoring. And in the premier league, guess what? That's all that fucking matters. And you know what? For Chelsea, all the goals count, baby. So I like Jackson. I think he's coming back into my team in short order. So let's, no let's bring him. that. No fucking way. If you want to tank your top 10K season, then you will bring Jackson back into your side. I, I, I'm, I cannot some, wait for this to happen. Let's bring some non-Chelsea bias into this discussion. Mira, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually rage transferred Jackson out of my team when nothing was happening. And... I have to admit, I brought in Jao Pedro and nothing happened after that as well. However, um, I was listening to the FPL Wire um, pod this morning very briefly, and I caught the bit where um, I think Zoff and, and Pras and um, Late Riser were talking about who is going to be nailed in that front lineup for Chelsea. And so, you know, with Nkuku coming back in, yeah, you know, that's that. Sounds interesting, like Bucks, what you're saying about um, uh, Sterling being nailed as well. But I think um, the the FPL wire guys were suggesting that maybe Sterling is not as nailed as what we think as well. Because what's going on with, you know, with Mudrick, would Mudrick play a little bit more as well? So I think it's going to be a couple of game weeks of, you know, a bit of speculation around how they're going to line up, especially because everyone is, you know, getting fit, right? Like, so that squad's uh, definitely shaping up well. Um, but what? how are they going to line up? We don't know. So it's going to be interesting to see that. I have to agree about the Palmer thing, though. Um, I Maybe it's sailed. Yeah, and he's just gotten pricey. I mean, 5.2 million isn't so easy to fit in. Let's go to the next match to target, which is Palace at the Lutonians. Oh, Dan, I'm jealous of your Eze guy in your team already. He should already have two goals from two penalties. Yeah, is he going to score again? I'm excited to have um, Eze for this game. Although, you know, I'm kind of scared about Luton at home. They, 
I don't think they're as bad as people make out when they're at home. And I think Crystal Palace could potentially struggle here. So I'm just hoping Eze gets something from this game, especially with, like we said earlier, Elise back. And we've seen that Eze is on penalties too, which is which is really great. Um, I do think Eze is a short-term hole. I, I disagree with you a little bit there, Bucks. I think I was potentially thinking about moving him out in a couple of game weeks. It was kind of a short-term move for me. So I'm just hoping I get as many points from him as possible in these next two or three weeks. I rate it. I think that's uh, the Luton at home uh, myth is going to come to an end in short order. Let's go to the final match. Villa at Spurs. I think this is a goal fest, which is why I think it's worth targeting for managers with the attackers in game week 13. Though I think Udagi, he's got a dog from an FPL points perspective. And Matty Cash also might be time to uh, trade that in for some gold or uh, Ethereum, depending on what your uh, persuasion is, because uh, he hasn't been cooking like he was early in the season. And I don't I don't think they're keeping a clean sheet here. What do you think, Mira? Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm almost um, considering taking Matty Cash out. So I've got two free transfers going into this game week and I'm not feeling good about playing him um, at the moment. As you say, it's going to be a goals fest. And yeah, he's just got free reign to roam around and he's not really returning the way he was potentially returning at the beginning of the season. The problem is, who who do you swap cash for? Like, there's there's just not many good defenders out there. Um, So yeah, it's a legitimate option to take him out. But I'm just thinking, who do you bring in? Everyone's just shit in defense right now, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, we're trying to minimize our defensive transfers because the options are not great. But we actually have a FPL community question talking about defenders coming up. So we'll tease that for now and come back to it. But before we do that, let's go into some of the best IRL matches, which the kick the kickoff in the early morning for us here in the United States, we have Liverpool at City. So let's go through our predictions in this one. Do we think it's going to be a high scoring affair, Mira? I reckon so. Um, probably not as high as like a 4-4 that, you know, City had against Chelsea. I reckon it's probably going to be like a 2-2 maybe. Um, maybe one of the sides will edge it. It depends, you know, how they how they turn up on the day. So it could be a 3-2. I would like to go 3-2 to Liverpool, but I reckon it's probably going to end up being a draw 2-2. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think a, a high-scoring draw or a, a tight victory for one of the two. I, I really can't call this one, but... I'm pretty certain there's going to be goals in this game. You are definitely being too nice with our guest in the building. I think 3-2 to City. City have yet to drop points at home. They are a force on the road and at home from an advanced stats, from an eye test perspective. I just think Holland gets a brace in this one, and we can all go back to our regularly scheduled weekend plans uh, (laughs) once we send Mira a lot of tissues for crying while watching this in her evening. I mean, I think we all believe that Liverpool are probably the second best team in the league right now. So if they want a chance at winning the title, they need to get three points in this one. And therefore, I think it's going to be an open enough game where they do throw a lot of counters and attacking measures at the city defense. So I think, uh, you know, four goals minimum combined is, is what I would expect in this one. So Bucks, I'll be sliding in your DMs to take the over in that one on the weekend all right next up we have chelsea at newcastle so trips owners are feeling a little bit out in the cold after a one-point performance versus bournemouth but i'm 
Not quite sure if those points are going to be coming this week either. I kind of fancy Chelsea to at least get one on the board this game week. So, Bucks, what are your predictions here? 2-2. No no FPL points for really anyone important. I have Gordon. Uh, I, I wish he did something last game week, so I felt a little bit better. Now he's gone through international break. I haven't thought about him. And I'm going to be wishing for his demise come the weekend. So that's a not great place to be in. And unfortunately, I brought in Tino Livramento. Guy stinks. He's uh, He was a wasted transfer. And I have Trippier. <laughs> so I already have the Newcastle triple up as they host my beloved team. I'm not going to r- wish for any injuries. But, you know, if the team bus happens to not make it to their home grounds and Chelsea get an easy three points, I also won't be the saddest lad at the bar. So, yeah, 2-2. Two, two. I mean, Hall cannot play in this one since he's out on loan, right? Or did, was that was a straight buy? I can't remember. No, but he, I, he can't. He can't play. He can't play. So Him maybe, Raya. Yeah, maybe you get some uh, some liver points this week, uh, potentially off their bench if somebody else misses. But um, yeah, I think the fixture pileup is really hurting Newcastle. So they need to get a few players fit and back into their side to become the strong unit that we've known them to be over the last few seasons. We've actually seen that Chelsea are a really good attacking side now too. They're, they're getting a lot of XG every game. And I, I expect them to to really challenge Newcastle in this one. This is what I meant earlier in the season when I did my prediction that I don't think Newcastle are going to be the force that they were last season. They're, they're just really struggling with all of these fixtures. And I know they've been really unlucky with these injuries, but it's it's taken their toll on them. And, you know, I just I think they're going to struggle in this game. I know they're a different animal when they're at home, but still... Chelsea are looking good now. Mira, what do you think? Yeah, I have to agree. And I'm a Trippier owner and I'm not feeling good about uh, this match just because Chelsea are, like a, like you say, rocking up now and, and scoring those goals as well. However, I'm really counting on um, a couple of Trippier assists. So I'm hoping that, you know, he will get some returns. That would be wonderful. But like we said, from a defender point of view, what else, what, what other options do we have? Yeah, I, I rate that. I think Trippier is is their creative engine, especially in this depleted side. So I think that I'm going to start him too in hopes that he gets a attacking return because I actually think that Chelsea are really well suited to play at Newcastle because they are such a physically strong team from a conditioning. That's all Potch's. He loves that. He's all about vibes and conditioning. Maniac that he is. But uh, and I think running uphill in the second half at St. James Park will actually suit Chelsea really well, whereas a lot of other teams you see really start suffering late on in that match. So yeah, 2-2, two, two, but my my heart is saying 3-2 Chelsea, so don't let too many people hear that. Next up, Arsenal at Brentford, London Derby. Love me some Derby. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Saka can get back in the goal-scoring ways that we've known him to do in the Premier League Again, if Jesus could play, that probably gives him a boost. Raya is not eligible to play this game, so we'll see Rammers in goal. I think both teams could score. You start your assets that you have, though. Gabriel, Saliba, anybody else in Bomo, you just play them and hope that this is something where you get a couple points from uh, those players in your starting 11. Brian, you own M- Mitoma. Are you buying Mbomo? Now for this fixture, or are you going to make a kind of stopgap transfer to get a guy in for a one-week punt? What's your take? 
Yeah, that's weighing on my transfer plans right now. I have two free transfers. Matoma has got to go. I also have Ferguson. So I might be bringing a combination of a few different players. And Mbomo in 14 is somebody that I have to have when they play Luton at home. So bringing up that transfer by a week isn't the worst thing. Again, Dan has him in his side. He's on set pieces. He's on pens. He could easily get some points in this one. So I might have to just take that on the chin this week and maybe he only gets a two pointer, but in the next upcoming fixtures, I'm going to want him. So he's a fine transfer in and he's, you know, firmly in the top five to seven in terms of XGI from a midfielder perspective. So um, Dan, do you have anything else to add there? Yeah. I think we just need to call out that game week 13 across the board is just a terrible game week for all of our assets. And we just need to just take what we can get because there's just so many difficult fixtures. It's very hard to predict any clean sheets. All of our attacking assets have difficult games. So I think planning forward at this point is totally fine because we're not expecting to get a lot of points anyway. There's no one really you're going to be focusing on this week to chase a haul. So you might as well plan going forward. So I think bringing in Mbumo now for Arsenal is a perfectly good transfer. And I think he can get something. He looked really good last week and he could have hauled too. I'm kind of disappointed he didn't because I brought him in two weeks early. So so yeah, I, I think that's a, a good strategy. So that's exactly the transfer that I'm thinking about as well. So is it going to be the the punty pick? Maybe I go for Eze, you know, I've got Matoma in the team, or do I bring in Mbumo early as well? I really need Saka to get some returns though. Like his output is being, you know, massively hampered by Jesus not being there. Um, so hopefully Jesus coming back and that will make a difference. But also Odegaard as well, because Saka's been playing a lot wider than what we've seen previously, and he's not getting into the box like he used to either. So really need him to start showing up a little bit more in that in that box and and trying to get you know at the end of those goal scoring opportunities as well dan mira were you surprised that saka wasn't recalled on that kind of mysterious injury because bowen was i mean so many other stars and this guy has played so many minutes and both arteta and southgate refused to give him a rest i i can't i can't understand it or explain it for the life of me I, I just don't get it. I agree, Bucks. I really don't understand. This guy is being run into the ground. He's he's so young and he's just playing every minute of every game despite being injured almost every game. I, ju I just don't understand. He didn't need to play any of these England fixtures. We might as well no have sense. left him at home. Yeah, I don't, I don't get Mira, it. Mira, I feel for you because the plan in my, my book says bring Saka in for Sun this week. And I just, watching the games, I can't do it because... Sun is so central. At any time he touches the ball, I feel like he's going to put the ball in the back of the net. And Saka is being forced to do so much. He's being like kicked at and tackled so far away from the the box that it, it almost rendering him useless. I mean, I, I really you're going to hope to see a completely transformed player with Jesus back because both him and Martinelli are really suffering right now. I agree. I feel like uh, um, with uh, with Zaka especially, um, it's probably a, you know, do you buy him? Maybe. Do you sell him? Definitely not. I, I feel like you almost got to play him and, and hold and, and hope. Not an ideal FPL strategy, hold and hope. That's for sure. Let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll dive deep into our mailbag of community questions. And we're back. Thank you very much for everyone who sent in their community questions this week, especially with guest 
Mira on the pod this week. So let's start with a question from Bangla underscore FPL. He wants to know, looking a bit ahead for game week 14, would you transfer out Sun or would you look for Mbomo to come in early? So I think Bangla is really trying to plan long-term and looking at upgrading one of his forward slots, Mubama to Isak, Alvarez, and Kunku for game week 15 or 16. So we've talked about this a bit before. I think this week is definitely a hold on Sun and then reevaluate next week because the fixtures will turn a little bit. He does have a great goal-scoring record versus City, but that's usually been on the counter with Kane in the side. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets completely isolated versus City. But this week, I would probably hold and use transfer role and then evaluate after. Yeah, I mean, his question has been answered for him because his options were Sun out or Matoma out for Mbuma. Matoma is now injured, so I think that's decision made for him. No-brainer. Matoma will be back for game week 14, but I I agree with you, Dan. I think that right now, Brighton are not a team to be trusted, and their analytical side of the game points to that. They are not scoring at the same clip they were last season. They can't keep clean sheets. So you're not getting easy points from Matoma because he's not on pens, and you're not getting kind of fall into points from clean sheets. Let's go to the next question from Home of FPLs, asking a very specific question. Solanke and Awani or Watkins and Bench Fodder? What say you all? I think Watkins and Fodder, for me, I I don't even think it's close. Um, I do like Solanke as a a third option, but I don't like Awani. I think if you can get Solanke and Watkins and a Fodder, I think that's probably... A good option. Or then then you don't have Haaland. I don't know. I don't really understand this question, to be <laughs> honest. The more I, mean, I think about it, the more I think I don't like either I'm not of even options. doing dance moves, Dan. Come on. Well, I now was... I'm reading it in detail. I just think neither of these are good options. I think you're going to want to have Haaland. Um, Watkins is a good option to have. And then I think if you can bring in Solanke with those two, that's the best option. Between the two options he's presented, I would prefer Watkins plus a fodder. Yeah, so I have Ferguson in my side, so I was looking at potential transfers, but Solanke is expensive. He's 6.4 million. I mean, he's not as cheap as he was in previous seasons. And if you yeah. want to go look at the midfielders you can get for six and a half million to seven million, I would rather stretch to Mbomo. I think Eze is a better shout than Solanke, just given Bournemouth's deficiencies from attack. So that's that's what I would do. And I mean, Iwani had his moment in the sun earlier in the season, but he's been a bit hampered by injuries. So you can't really trust the NFO attack either. Yeah, I have to agree. And we've got so many midfield options as well. I, I think most uh, like my formation at the moment is 3-5-2. And I'm probably going to be sticking with 3-5-2 for a little while just because the the midfield is really stacked. So I rather have Watkins and a, and a fodder and then rotate Watkins between, you know, a couple of other options that are going to become viable over the next couple of game weeks as well. Almost I'm just going to throw out this question. I think Darwin is the guy that's missing from this whole conversation. I would rather have Darwin than all three of these lads. Uh, Fodder, yeah, he's he's a good player too, but we don't talk much about him. But uh, I think Watkins, <laughs> Watkins is going to get stale pretty quick. And I think in a couple of game weeks, we're all going to be looking for ways off the Watkins hype train. He doesn't really haul in a general sense. I mean, that 23 point explosion was uh, kind of a gift from the gods. If you had him in FPL, but that's not really his game. He, he just ticks along. He's a fitness monster. He scores a goal. He gets an assist. 
kind of packs his lunchbox and goes to work the next day. That's the kind of player that he is. And yes, Villa are a very strong team, especially at home. I just think that there are going to be better options and he's, he's gotten expensive as well. So we're just looking for ways to spread the cash. All right. Next question is from at FPL theorists. He says he's so tired of making defender transfers. Is it time to accept that defenders won't give us many points a season? And it's just a waste of time trying to find a good one. So I know we were talking about this earlier in the episode, not a lot of options right now in defense, especially if you're trying to find an attacking wing back on the cheap, but the player that I would probably roll the dice with is Reese James. I know that he will definitely not play all these fixtures coming up in the pileup, but he is one player that we've seen do it before. He nearly had a great free kick in the game versus Manchester City. He's going to be on some set pieces, and when he plays, he's a good FPL option. Now, you have to understand that he might play for three game weeks, and then you might have to rip him out of your side because he fell down the stairs and stubbed his big toe and is out for six months. But until he's not fit, I think he's one player to you know shout out because there's just so little defenders that I want to bring in my side right now. The thing about Reese James is you have a really good backup in, in Gusto. So what you're looking at, especially during this Christmas period when there's all these fixtures, are you going to get like 90 minutes, zero minutes for James? Or are you going to get like 60, 60, 60? Because if you're going to get like 60, 65 minutes for Reese James consistently, you've got a higher chance of a clean sheet. So it's, he might be a decent transfer. But if you're looking at 90 minutes one game and then zero minutes the next game, uh, he's not a good option for me. If that's I mean, the case. He, he usually comes on. That's the, also the other problem, right? Like he yeah. can get 90 minutes in one match and then midweek he might play 15. And so you're going to get a lot of binary zeros and ones if Chelsea aren't up for it. So that's yeah. what we saw last season. And he's, he's just very tempting, I think, as an asset, especially now that he's down to 5.3 million. Yeah, that's a really good point. And he's he's at a really good uh, price point. Um, however, I Reese James is on my do not transfer in list that I've got. I've got this do not transfer in ever kind of list. And he's 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 on that. Um so I'm not sure. I'm tentative about that, but there aren't many options Mira, either. Who else? So I might have who to else? go there. Who's who uh, else is on the naughty Jackson's list? on that list. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Jackson's I, I on that list. Wilson hovering, you know, on that list as well. Eight Nori, any other defenders? What do we think? Uh you know we were scraping the bottom of the barrel with these guys. Yeah, Luke Luke Shaw just has to be a shout. He's not quite fit yet, but you could do worse than bring in a nailed-on starter for Manchester United. I expect Onana's going to be fit as well, so I like the upside pick there. Next question comes from FPL underscore risk taker. He's asking a couple of start sets. Cash or Kabore? Dan? Cash. And Ferguson or Semenyo? Risk taker. Well, we need to look, we need to look at this guy's team. He's got problems <laughs> left, right, and center. Risk taker. You're taking too many Semenio. risks. Let's get some points. Come on. One of the man. first times we've shouted him on the pod this season. Wow. So, so basically, a shit player for Bournemouth or an injured player for Brighton. So yeah, yeah not good know. options. Risk taker. You got to consult with Brian and Mira on uh, the the build from the bottom here as engaged managers. There's only going up from this point forward. Agreed, everyone. Agreed. Definitely. Right. Our next question is from Connor at FPL underscore Hunt. He asks, have you all thought about free hit 18 yet? Because we're going to have to start thinking about making transfers soon with that plan in mind. I personally have not really thought about it as much as I probably should have. Um, I'm certainly not bringing in too many Man City assets or 
any more Brentford assets than Mbuma, but my planning isn't really going any further than that. I have not ruled out playing free hit 18, to be honest. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I like free hit 18 just because we know the double game weeks this year will be in 34 and 37, and those are good opportunities to use your other chips, such as your bench boost and your triple captain. So this year, in comparison to the years prior, where we had just massive amounts of double game weeks, um, we just have a lot more information this year. So using those chips in those game weeks do make sense. So if you want to go that route, um, you know, you want to start thinking about it now in terms of how you plan. Um, but yeah, the, the double game week for Brentford and Man City, it, it definitely poses a problem. So free hit 18 could be a solution. Yeah, I have to agree. And, you know, if we think about like some of the assets that we have at the moment, most of us are going to be tripled up with Arsenal. We're probably going to have at least two Liverpool assets, if not the third one being Simicast for many as well. And Arsenal are playing Liverpool in game week 18. So that's going to be a really tricky fixture. So I think free hit is a really good, you know, option to to have. Um, but also we, we talked earlier about uh, Watkins and taking out Watkins potentially you know, Villa have got Sheffield. So that's a, a captaincy option as well. So if you're not free hitting, do you hold on to your, you know, Aston Villa, you know, assets for that fixture as well? It is a little bit further along the way, but it's not that far away either because we've got a whole flurry of fixtures that are coming up between 14 and 16. And that's just over nine days as well. Yeah, we have a massive fixture pileup. I think we're going to have seven or eight game weeks in the next like month or so. They're going to be coming fast and furious. Hopefully we'll be on the airwaves in between each of these crazy game weeks and we cannot wait to join you there. So last question we have from at FPL crisis. I think this one is good for the likes of Mira for those feeling like they need to chase points. What is the advice with two thirds of the season left? So obviously not quite having the season we'd like, how do we turn things around? Yeah, it's a really tricky one. Um, and I was, you know, I was talking to Pras about this earlier in, you know, my uh, my show as well. Um, around um, do we do we sort of base it on EO and and what, you know, what's EO telling us about our rank? And I know Crisis is doing really really well. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure he's in the top 10k or top 15k or some something at the moment. Um, but I I really think it's about sort of picking those players, you know, based on my conversation with Pras as well, picking those players that are going to get you points and doing well as well, and then you know, having one or two players that are going to be slightly different um, to make up, you know, some of those uh, uh, points that you're trying to chase. But um, I think it's so early in the season. I don't, I don't think there's any need to make any hasty calls at the moment. I agree with you, Mira. I think panic mode starts to set in around game week 30 when you're still like feeling like, meh, this season stinks. But if you're not in a mini league that you love with good banter, join our podcast mini league, join the FPL USA mini league. There's plenty of ways to shit talk your mates and feel like you're winning, even if it's just a small green arrow. And that's really all you're chasing. If you can just be consistent, get a couple big green arrows, one or two small ones, they pile up and you're going to find that you're not in a dark pit of despair in the multi-millions. You're all of a sudden, you know, shockingly, you're within the top million, then you're within the top 500K. And it's going to become easier and easier to climb rank as the season churns along. It's just the nature of the game. People lose interest. And I think us engage managers, it's all about just putting one foot in front of the other, moving one game week to another. There's one final question from Connor. He asks, are the Wolves defense, especially Ryan Eitnery, an option specifically for game week 15 and game week 16? I would say Go considering off, that... Go consider off on Wolves. 
Go, go, go. Considering they're playing Burnley at home and Nottingham Forest at home, I think they are a good option. I think Ryan eitner is very attacking on that left-hand side, and he does look like he's got the potential to get hauls. However, just a word of caution that Hugo Bueno is back from injury, so he might take some minutes off Ryan eitner going forward. So if you're looking for a more nailed Wolves defender, go for Kilman. However, I do really like eitner I've made, I'm not shy about that whatsoever. Dan, further final question for you. Are Wolves going to be a top half team by the end of the season? Because they're sneakily putting a very nice campaign together. I think so. I, I, well, I think they'll finish 12th, 13th. That's what I'm predicting. Close enough. We like it. All right. Dan's all confident. He's got his glow up in for his little pups up in Wolverhampton. Let's transition to our final segment, which is transfer plans and captaincy shouts. Let's start with you, Brian. What's the plan? I'm still waiting on Ferguson's fitness. I have two free transfers, one million in the bank, but I'm looking at either taking a hit this game week and just sorting out my formation. I'm right now in a 3-4-3, and that has not proved to be fruitful at all. So Matoma and Ferguson most likely leaving my side. It's just whether I want to bring in Bomo in this week. Um, This is one of the main decisions I have to make. But bringing in somebody like Palmer again next week, they're going to play Brighton and then their fixtures turn. So I'm still high on Palmer as an option. So uh, taking a hit and bringing in Bomo, Palmer, and possibly um, downgrading to Archer could just be a simple minus four and really get my formation back on track. I was looking at Eze, but I think it'll be uh, an additional transfer I might need to make down the line um, because I'm not as high on the attack for Crystal Palace. We'll see when Elise is also fit, if that adds that extra dimension that they've been missing alongside Eze. But um, yeah, definitely lots of tinkering to do. So uh, this week I'll be captaining Erling Holland at home versus Liverpool. We were expecting goals, so I'm just going to stick it with him. Bucks, you're in the top 10K. Tell the listeners what you got going on. Yeah, I'm on two free transfers and 0.2 million in the bank. Thanks, Tino Livermento, for that small pocket change and zero points. Appreciated. Uh, I'm looking to do something pretty boring this game week. Diaby to Mbomo seems like the pragmatic move. Uh, gets me Mbomo a game week early and also allows me to have two free transfers going into game week 14, where I feel like that more so than game week 13 is going to be impactful in the points department. I think if you're making two free transfers or taking a hit this game week, it's more for future planning than it is for points here in the now. And that makes it really challenging. You know, we talk about cash, we talk about sun, you're moving those guys out to put money in the bank, but who are you bringing in that has like juicy fixtures where you're just like already counting the points. That's where it gets complicated. Uh, Armband. I'm going Erling Holland vice armband is on Jared bone, which right now is looking very nervy because they're both flagged, but I think uh, they'll both sort it out this weekend. And if Holland's out injured, I don't hate Bowen as the captain. I know Praz doesn't rate it, but uh, he's been good to me on the betting front. He's been good to me on the FPL front. So uh, yeah, go go crazy, Jared. Let's go to you, Dano. Yeah, so I have one free transfer and 1.8 million in the bank. If we rich hear man. that... I am a rich man, yeah. I'm likely going to do a very boring transfer. I still have Udogi, and I, I don't fancy him going forward. I'd want to switch him to Pedro Porro at some point. 
So I think I'm going to take him out and save some funds there. Maybe bring in someone like Guayhi just for the, a couple of good fixtures for Crystal Palace. And he rotates nicely for quite a few game weeks going forward. So I think bringing in Guayhi, captain on Haaland, pretty simple for me. All right, last but certainly not least, Mira, what's your plan? How many transfers do you got? Cash in the bank, nada, and who's going to be the captain? So I've got two free transfers. I've, I think I might just use one transfer though. So I've got a couple of flags like you guys as well. So I've got Matoma as a, as definitely a problem. Um, so at the moment I'm thinking Matoma and bringing in Mbumo, um, as the let's plan ahead and just accept that game week 13 is going to be a bit of a clusterfuck basically. Um, but at the moment I'm benching cash. And so, you know, I'm not sure if I should do that and I'm playing LaSalle. So I'm not sure about that at the moment. So if I was to make a defensive transfer, it would potentially be taking out cash and bringing in Saliba. So I've got Gabrielle as well. So I'd like to think about a uh, a bit of a transition off of Gabrielle by bringing in Saliba because I've got two free transfers. I could just bench Matoma and play Archer instead. So I've got a couple of options there. It's a good fixture for Sheffield, you know, against uh, Bournemouth at home. So yeah, I reckon um I reckon I may end up doing that. So I've got a few options. Maybe Mbumo, maybe bring in Saliba or just bench one of them and, and play Archer. But uh look, if it was up to me, I'd be playing seven midfielders and no one in defense, basically, at the moment. Um my That's captaincy... the dream formation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My captaincy very, very reluctantly at the moment is on Haaland. Um, I think he's absolutely fine. He's flagged, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, it was on Bowen, but I'm slightly leaning towards um, a bit more towards Haaland because of those penalties as well. And just because his positioning. Um, so that's where it is for me. Love it. Mira, before we fully close out the podcast, I know we've had some uh, Irish exits on the, along the way. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you, what you're all about and uh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said earlier, I love your podcast. I enjoy listening. It's the highlight of my uh, my each week as well. So appreciate what you guys do. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter or X, um, which is uh, FPL Mez 8. And, and also you can find me on YouTube, same handle, FPL Mez 8. And I'm just having lots of off-the-cuff conversations uh, with myself, with the community, and with guests on there as well. So please do check that out. Uh, it's always wonderful to, um, to get some comments and reactions and so forth. Let's glow up our guests. They've been amazing. Mira, thank you. You've been an amazing host. Dan, any final words of optimism on Wolves or life outside of the FPL game before we get going here? Well, I think we're all glad that the international break is over and we have FPL back and we're ready for more pain and more fun. I've really missed Premier League football. There's there's nothing like it. International football just does not does not do it for me. Even England games, I just watch them and I just get really bored. So I'm so excited this weekend that it's back. It's also Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to all of our US listeners, to you and your families. Um Mira, even though you're in Australia, happy Thanksgiving to you too. We are thankful that you joined our podcast. Very thankful. Yes, I'm a huge fan Extra of your content. Extra gravy. Extra gravy. Sweet potato casserole. That's what it's all about, books. Ooh, I, I'm learning a lot <laughs> about your household right now. Mira, any favorite U.S. foods or any 
Thanksgiving staples that you've tried in Australia and didn't totally hate? Uh, I would say my go-to breakfast, my go-to breakfast is peanut butter and jam on toast with banana occasionally. And I didn't realize PB&J was such an American thing. Um, until I went over to the States. And when I asked for PB&J, I got lots of options for PB&J. And over here, they look at me like, really? You want, you want uh, yeah, that you're for cheating on Marmite, right? That's the staple uh, on your part of the world. That's, yeah, Vegemite. Ugh. And yeah, it's Vegemite. very similar. Ugh. And I'm not a fan of Vegemite or Marmite. It's not my it's not my jam. But PB&J all day long. What you want to do, Mira, is you want to get a slice of toast. Put some peanut butter on, put some banana on, put some chia seed on, and put some honey on. Thank me later. Oh, yes. I might go and make that now. <laughs> it's lunch. Yeah, Dan, I might go make that as a pre-bed snack. And <laughs> chia seeds are healthy. So as you're getting old like me that and sickly like me also, that could be very helpful. So, all right. Amazing podcast. Mira, it's been a total treat to podcast with you. Brian's off to play some ball himself. Dan and I are off to make this podcast go live and make it happen, but we really appreciate you and you being a listener and a fan of ours. We're totally a fan of yours, and we're hoping to bring more amazing content like this to the FPL USA community on future episodes. Let's all get green arrows, including Mira and Brian in game week 13.